Namaste, it's Sahara Rose, and welcome back to the Highest Self Podcast, a place where we discuss what makes you your soul's highest involvement. This episode is brought to you by Uveda. Uveda is a modernized Ayurvedic supplement company that takes certain issues that we have, such as mood, joints, immunity, digestion, and creates these custom little packets exactly for us infusing ancient Ayurvedic herbs with modern vitamins and minerals. I take the mood formula daily. It is great if you work a stressful job, had adrenal fatigue, ever suffer from anxiety or even depression, and it really heals you from a fundamental and holistic level. So if you want to try it out, head over to Uveda, Y-O-U-V-E-D-A.com. Use the code Sahara and you'll receive 35% off your first order. And they now ship to almost every country globally. So check it out. If you live internationally, they may be shipping to your country too. And they just added India, guys. This episode is also brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is an incredible mushroom elixir company. I proudly drink their elixirs every single day. My favorite is their chai mix. It is insanely delicious. I quit chocolate cold turkey. And what helped me was drinking this chai mix every day. And best of all, they use stevia to sweeten it. And there's no sugars like the chai lattes you'll find at Starbucks or wherever else. And the mushrooms are really good for balancing your hormones, helping heal adrenal fatigue, healing your body on an adaptogenic level. So adaptogens, really kind of relate to what your body needs. So if you are high stress, it will bring you down. If you need more energy, it will bring you up. And that's what's so amazing about adaptogens. They adapt to your body and mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms have a lot of adaptogenic properties. So you can head over to their website, foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A. A-T-I-C.com forward slash Sahara. I have a little shop up there with my favorite Four Sigmatic products. So you can try it out and you can also get 15% off any Four Sigmatic product using the code Sahara. I am so excited to just really dive into today's episode because it is with my dear teacher, Malaika, who you may remember from a podcast from like last year that we did together. And this woman really has profoundly changed my life. It is a very long episode that I have broken up into two parts because we ended up talking for two and a half hours. And let me just share with you the story of how this happened because it's literally so remarkable. And now that I shared this tidbit with you, it's going to make listening to this episode even more special. So a little recap on who Malaika is in my life. When I was 23 and I bought that one-way flight to Bali, I had no idea where my life was going to go. If you've listened to different podcast episodes, especially episode two, episode 41, I talk about just my journey of how I got to where I am and all the confusion and, and hard times that I had to really overcome to get here. So when I was 23, I got a one-way flight to Bali and essentially was looking for truth. I did not know what I was going to do with my life. I did not know which way to turn. And I had thought that I was going to become an international human rights lawyer. And then from working in different NGOs, I realized how bureaucratic it was. So I was really at this place where I was just totally like, not certain of what path to take next. I knew there was something out there for me, but I didn't know what that was. And I was going through a very difficult time with my family because they really wanted me to just get a job and be like everyone else. And they weren't sure what the heck it was I was seeking for. 
But I just knew that me becoming, you know, a real estate agent, becoming this, becoming that was not what was in store for me, that I was put on this planet to do something greater, but I had no idea what that greater was. So I ended up going to Bali, didn't know anyone there, traveling around, ended up in this beautiful community in Ubud, Bali, in central Bali. And I found this incredible woman named Malaika. And she is an African dance extraordinaire. She is a shaman. She is a full Shakti, divine feminine powerhouse. She has lived on a deserted island for a few years where she raised her two kids with her husband, like literally just the four of them and like two babies. She has lived with tribes in Africa where they had no running water, no electricity, and she would just dance with them and be part of their community. She has taught shamanism, tantra, dance, movement, tapping into the divine feminine, connecting to mother earth, all of these incredible earthly sciences to the world from communist China to Islamic Egypt to everywhere in between. This woman is so strong, so capable, and so powerful. And when I met her, I just knew I wanted to be anything like that. And it was the first real role model that I had, someone who was fully dancing to her own drumbeat, who did not just, you know, get married, have kids, get a job, like do all the things that you need to do just to satisfy the check boxes that society gives us. Uh, this woman, which she shares with us in this episode and also in the former episode, she grew up in Australia or she grew up in Canada, then moved to Australia and she pretty much just paved her own path and doing the most out there things that you could ever imagine. So I did her five elements, shamanic dance activation, facilitator training, which I highly recommend to everyone listening. She also leads retreats all around the world, which I really recommend in myelements.com. And she's just so incredible that when I went to this teacher training, I mean, I just remember sitting in that circle for the first time and everyone shared why they were there. And I just broke down crying. I hadn't even shared why I was there, but I, it was just so powerful for me to, to be there. And for the, it was my first ever kind of training. I've never done like yoga teacher training. I've never had the chance to do any of those things. Cause I didn't have any like funds for it. I didn't have any parental support on that path. So it was the first thing that I did for myself, for my own growth. And she was the first real teacher that I had. And I just broke down crying, just knowing that my life was going to be so radically different after that. And it was. I came back a different person. I mean, I ended a four-year-long relationship. I stopped being, you know, the child. And I became a woman in my relationship with my parents and, you know, became real un unapologetic about who I am and just going after what it is that I want. And so much of it is because of this woman. So that's just a little intro of who she is. Now, let me just quickly tell you about this specific conversation. So I was in Bali in June. I went there by myself to write my upcoming book, which is an Ayurvedic business book. And I was there. I had been there for two weeks. I was staying in this like beautiful like hut in the jungle. It was so stunning there. And she comes over and we do this podcast. We talk for two and a half hours and it's getting late. I knew I had this 
girl that wanted to shoot with me, she was a photographer and she wanted to do a sunset shoot and it was like getting dark, but you know, like Malika's like my teacher and I just love talking to her. So there was no way I was going to stop her from talking. Plus I was so involved in the conversation that time just flew by. You know, when you're in a conversation with someone that it's like time stops existing. Well, that was this conversation for us, which is going to be broken down into this is part one and the next episode is going to be part two. So we're talking, talking, talking. And we're like, oh my God, what times? I was like, oh my God, I really have to run. I was supposed to be at this photo shoot like an hour ago. And she's like, okay, go. We get, like keep talking. And I was like, oh, I, I really want to cancel the photo shoot, but I felt bad because the photographer was there. And so I didn't put on makeup. I didn't put anything on. I just like ran over there, like honestly, as a favor to the photographer, because I just wanted to like show up, even though it was like literally dark at this point. And I got there, I'm taking photos. And then I feel someone pinch me from behind. I turn around and there's my boyfriend, Steven, who lives in Los Angeles suddenly in Bali on his knees. And I'm just looking at him like, wait, what? Am I hallucinating right now? Like, where did you just come from? Especially because he did not look fitting in the settings. I'm in a jungle and he's like in his like LA, like black t-shirt and like ripped jeans. And I'm like, huh? I'm like looking around, especially because this conversation was so trippy. I was like, am I like tripping on something right now? Like what is happening? And he starts proposing to me. <laughs> he starts saying, you mean everything to me. You're the most beautiful woman on, in the inside and out. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? So this was the last conversation that I had before my engagement. And it is so fitting, honestly, like really when I'm looking back on it right now, it's so fitting that she was like the last conversation I had before I left Bali to go back to India to pick up my bags and end this relationship and go back to my family and really confront them face to face and be like, you know what? I'm going to live my own life from now on. I'm done chasing your approval. And now four years later, coming back and she being the last conversation, this, that you guys are about to listen to being the last conversation that I had as a maiden, which literally you know, maybe this conversation went on for too long because like the sun needed to be in the perfect place and the stars needed to be in perfect alignment for this engagement to happen. So it is really a special conversation in my life that I'm very glad is, is recorded. And I'm very glad that you guys are part of it because I adore you. I, I adore this community and how supportive you guys are. It was so amazing meeting you guys and just seeing that you're so involved and you really care and you see, you know, my own journey in your own eyes. And I appreciate that so much. So this is a trip guys. This is crazy. And just to know that we have these incredible teachers in our lives. And sometimes you don't see these teachers for many years. I had not seen Malaika in four years before having this conversation. You know, she's a shaman, like we can try to talk, but she's not like the person who's gonna like come FaceTime you. She's like in jungles at all times. So really I was coming back to her as this entirely new person four years later, the seed that she had really planted inside of me growing and I continuing to water it and water it and flourish and then this leading into the engagement, which has really been the most life-changing event really that's happened to me in my adult life. Planning this wedding, planning a family that we're going to have, not anytime soon, but in the future and all that is to come with that. So I welcome you guys to this beautiful conversation, my last conversation as a maiden, and I welcome Malika Darville to the Highest Self Podcast.
much for opening up the space like this and while you were singing I just had so much gratitude for you being here right now four years later after I did your training which was like almost to the date yeah four years ago and and just what a teacher you've been in my life and how grateful I am to have like like people listening think I'm a teacher and it's like the teacher's teacher to be here. So I'm just so grateful and so honored to have you here. Oh, well, I am so incredibly grateful for you and your blossoming and just to be here. And wow, if people could only see where we are right now, this is the most epic place and to be reunited again back in Bali four years later and just yes. see what a beautiful woman you've grown into and blossomed into is just, mm -hmm. I'm so honored to be speaking to however many people this is going out to. It's like, wow, such a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old school coming from the older generation of, you know, not talking to thousands and thousands of people like we have access to with the internet now. So I feel extremely blessed and honored that invited me back again to to speak and to be here so oh of course well mm. your episode was one of people's favorites wow so the first question that I would love to ask you again is mm. what makes you your highest self who what makes me my highest self well I think first of all I would like everyone to just take a really deep breath in big deep breath into their belly into their womb for all the womb ones all the women and breathe deep down into the center of your body and for me that is 
the place that takes me to my higher self. When I really drop into my connection to all that is, the earth, to other people, to all the animals that we share this planet with, and to know that my body is a divine embodiment of and an aspect of the divine sacred feminine. So when I, when I more drop into that and remind myself continually that that's who I am and that's the truth of who I am, then all the other little stories and, you know, the smaller self can drop away and I can remember and sit mm. in that and rest in that. Mm, I love that. And thank you for that invitation for all of us to just take a moment to drop in as we really fully receive your wisdom. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people listening are disconnected from their bodies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the only way we feel connected to our bodies is through really intense physical activity, like working out really hard at the gym, which is a really big movement going on, which is in a way punishing our bodies. So how can we tap in and go into our bodies without this like very masculine and like punishing bodybuilding, creating an armor around mm -hmm. ourselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think you know, what's happening right now on the planet is there's a large awakening of the Shakti energy. We've gone way out of balance, you know, since even before the Industrial Revolution. We were already in a predominantly masculine and, a, and not even masculine, but a distorted masculine paradigm. And through that, women, you know, in their fight to find liberation, we became good men. And, you know, the, the women's movement was kind of like, I can do it just as good as you kind of thing to prove our worth. And what's missing is the divine sacred feminine. And we don't do things like the masculine. We're wired differently. Our bodies, our anatomy is different. It's different for a reason. And we need that balance. And the body, the feminine body, is for women to remember that this is a temple and, you know, to approach it as a temple. So here in Bali, where we're surrounded by temples and people praying all the time, it's so easy to continually bring ourselves back into that alignment with a feminine temple. And, you know, for me, it's like, you know, my rituals of bathing, putting flowers in my bath, putting essential oils in, getting a massage, you know, spending time in nature, that all helps me to realign with my feminine. But, you know, for a lot of women or people living in a city or, you know, where they don't maybe have access to this great nature like we do in Bali, they have to remember that your body is a part of nature. So the making contact with that part of yourself and the womb as the most important part of the feminine body that informs us how to move forward in our lives. If you listen to your womb, when you put your hands on your womb, when you ask a question to your womb, what should I eat? What you know, is this partner good for me? Is, you know, it's like we can throw out all the books, you know, it's like, sorry, not good, good ad advertising for, you know, it's many so books, true, but yeah. it's like, we don't need anything other than, and then we can get information from these things of how to stay healthy or how to stay on track. But the body wisdom, and each person has a specific body wisdom that's that's unique to the individual, as unique as our look, as our, our dosha, as, you know, who we are. And so, you know, the self-love piece is a very important part of this awakening of the divine sacred feminine. And I say that it's for men just as much as it's for women, you know, because the men have also lost their touch with the nurturing side. And our whole society has been so ambitious and doing driven. 
and the beingness gets lost, the human beingness. And so coming back to that deeper listening, when we listen to the womb, when we tune in, and maybe she tells you in the middle of the day, you need to go and take a rest. And if you don't listen, well, we all know what happens when we don't listen long enough. The last place that the universe is trying to communicate to us is in the physical body. So we have many, many bodies. And the universe is always giving us signs and always communicating to us through these different energetic bodies. And we'll hear it, you know, wow, I really need to take a rest. I really need to slow down. If we don't listen, then something physical happens because that's, again, the universe trying to get our attention or our body trying to get our attention. Something physical happens, a crisis, you know, a cancer, you know, something critical happening in the body. And then, boy, does she have your attention and you have to do something about it. And then it's all about, whoa, where I w wasn't I listening? And when you speak with people that have had cancers and recovered from it or, you know, bad injuries or uh, terrible accidents or whatever, they a lot of the times will say that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because that's the point where they shift and turn around in their life and make a big consciousness shift. So rather than it getting to that stage, why not start listening while you're still healthy and young and vibrant? so that you can have longevity and then it's about thriving not about surviving mm. you know because we've been so caught in our survival mode which is all the root chakra mm -hmm. and as we energetically as a race of human beings on the planet move from this survival into thriving we need to move that energy up into you know the second chakra which is all about experiencing pleasure and that's both pleasure in the body but not in such a, a decadent overindulgent way that that becomes detrimental to you but in a way that it's natural and the feminine form is pleasurable so when we move our bodies you know do what comes natural do what feels good like my my yoga practice i mean doesn't look like a yoga practice yeah. yeah you know i mean sure it's super uh, strength building and but it's in such a feminine way you know it's like i spiral my chest you know now let's come to the front of your mat unwinding the spine as you're mm -hmm. moving because my cat is my greatest teacher mm -hmm. you know yoga was based on the asanas all came about from yogis spending thousands of years observing animals that's why they're all named after mm -hmm. animals all the postures are named after animals and if you watch them, they're not linear. They're not, they're, you know, they'll move, they'll yawn, they'll curl yeah. their tongue, they'll and move in such a way that is opening all the fascia inside the body, opening the deeper tissues inside of the body, which creates more space inside of the body. Almost addiction and affliction that's come into our world with the only the attention being on the outside, the physical body, whereas we need to now, the feminine way is turning that attention from outside to internally so how does it feel who cares what it looks like because if you feel good on the inside you're going to look good on the outside and it really does you know it really does work like that so we see with people who have the perfect body and yet they're still going for a breast enhancement or they're going to have their face you know plastic surgery done or they're going to have something done externally because there's still the happiness is not being cultivated from the inside so yoga and all these ancient practices were always practices that were cultivated from the inside 
You know, and there was a famous anthropologist, and I can't remember her name right now, who once said, you know, when people came to the shaman in indigenous cultures and asked, you know, they were suffering from depression, suffering from just unhappiness and, and things not flowing and feeling good inside their bodies, the shaman asked them, when did you stop dancing? When did you stop singing? When did you stop believing in the mystery of the stories and listening and being enchanted by story? So these ancient things that are part of our human nature, which are largely devoid of in our contemporary societies, we just need to create ways to bring them back. And women's circles, you know, women gathering together. That's why, you know, I love bringing women together. And, you know, just naturally when a group of women come together, we drop into our feminine. And when we see the reflection of each sister as a a flower, you know, we stop this whole competitive thing that's going on in the in the Western paradigm that has been so detrimental to the feminine psyche of this, you know, competing with each other or one predominant look being the look that we're trying to go for. And and no one will ever be like that. Most of those pictures in magazines and things like that are all photoshopped. And so, you know, striving to look like something out of a magazine is just ridiculous. And some of those girls are 14 years old and they're just dressed up as models and so it's not taking into the, the full gamut of woman, you know, and all her shapes and sizes. And each woman is a flower. We just are. Each woman is just so incredibly beautiful. Just that's, we just are, you know. And so when we can tap into that radiance, that inner radiance, it's like you would never say to a rose, oh, geez, I wish you were a daffodil or I wish that rose was, you know, pink instead of red. It just is as it is. And we each are as unique as each flower. So when we come together and heal as women, you know, bringing sisterhoods together to share, to awaken, to share wisdom, to share knowledge, in our very DNA, we start to remember because it's all there. We've just forgotten and we've been so stressed out and so busy and moving so fast that we haven't had time. So taking the time, because the feminine moves slower, you know, think of it sexually. A man can have an erection like bing very quickly. For a woman, it takes a lot of foreplay and stimulation on the outside of her body before she's ready for inner penetration. If she waits and, and has a partner that's actually willing to allow that, he reaps the awards as much as she does because that means she's going to be soft and juicy and multi-orgasmic, whereas if he comes in to her and she's not ready, it's almost like, you know, a flower that just has not opened. You don't get to receive the fragrance, the full fragrance. So woman and the feminine energy is slower. Even though we can move very fast, just like the masculine, and we can bring that energy and we also have that dynamic energy within us, it's also taking the time, cultivating practices that bring us back into the body. So a daily practice where, you know, whether it's you just throw a yoga mat down and don't force yourself to, you know, tie yourself into a pretzel or put yourself into positions that are painful for your body, but to breathe into things that are unwinding the body. You know, somatic movement, tapping into the body's intelligence. So I always say, say to my students, you know, when they're laying down and getting them in to, in to start moving in their body, tap into that place where the body has this divine intelligence and knows exactly how it needs to move. So, you know, just the same as like a, a baby inside the womb knows how to turn its body and get its head pointing down and th the baby is actually assisting in its own birth. 
a newborn baby. Why? Because we're human beings and we're wired to that. We know how, you know, how does a baby teach itself how to, you know, lift its head when it first lifts up and gets onto all fours and starts the crawling process and, you know, then, you know, grabbing onto everything to stand up. It doesn't need to be taught that. It's natural. It's going to be, it's wired to do that. So it's the same for woman, you know, and all, the, and, and woman, unlike man, because we bleed, we, by nature, by default, are naturally more in tune with the cycles of the earth and the cycles of the moon because we bleed every 28 days. So part of our imbalances that has happened has been us following false calendars, you know, calendars that came about that are not representative of natural time. So imagine if I gave you a ruler and told you to try and build a house that was based, you know, on a one month is, is, is an inch and the next month is a quark and the next one is a centimeter. And, you know, what kind of house? It's going to be all wonky and, and, and out of balance. And so whereas if we look at the natural cycle, every 28 days, you know, a woman is every 28 days, if her cycle is regular, we have this cycle from new moon to, to dark moon. So when we start to realign with that, taking time, you're bleeding. It's not, you know, even the whole tampon industry, the way they sell the whole industry is like plug up, you know, and you too can go horseback riding and skin diving and high jumping and, you know, whatever, you know, like you don't have your period. So it's like in denial of what your body is going against the body's wisdom, which is go sit on the earth. If you didn't have that tampon in, what are you going to do? You know, you'd have to sit down and bleed. So at least for your first day to honor that as a time where you stay home, you take time out, you have a hot bath, you, you know, pamper yourself, you journal because that's the time when woman is most open. We're most open to these cosmic energies so we can actually heal our bodies because we can tune into these higher frequencies and hear what they're telling us of how to heal our bodies, what our bodies need. But if we never take the time to actually have that conversation with the body, then we're pushing and we're pushing, 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 pushing and pushing against all those things. And then what happens? We make ourselves sick. And then, you know, the, the, the whole industry of going into taking drugs in order to cope with all the overwhelming stimulation that we've set up for ourselves. And if you step back, you know, for one moment and just go, you know, if you know any people that have died, you know, it's like, hey, life is still going on. They're gone now. Life is still going on. I had a friend who just passed away just a few weeks ago, a very, very dear brother. And I feel him around me, you know, constantly now. And it's like just that deep reminder that nothing is more important than your health. Nothing is more, you can't have this earth experience without this physical body. And this physical body is a direct microcosm of the macrocosm of this earth. So what we're doing to the earth in our unconsciousness, in our unprecedented growth at all costs, is, is a cancer consciousness instead of realigning with the natural consciousness of these rhythms. And the earth too has her rhythms. We have our seasons, we have, you know, the time when it's the darkness and going into the winter where you need to, here in Bali, we've, we've just gone into our winter solstice, even though, I mean, we're sitting here in 
t-shirts and not it's but it is actually winter and if you observe the Balinese they'll be you know putting on big jackets and scarves because they you know your blood gets attuned to the climate acclimatized to the place that you're living in so if you're living in a in the northern hemisphere you've just gone into the summer solstice in the longest night of the year so now there's like a copious amounts of, of energy and move you know so listening to that and there's longer hours of sunlight there's longer time to spend outdoors in nature to refill your cup you know and we've set up globally these structures the way that you know the, the world is running but I do believe that each one of us has a responsibility to one take care of our own frequency and our own vibration if we really love the earth and we love ourselves then that's your only job you know that's your f first and foremost job is to take care of yourself tune into your own higher selfishness as a friend coined it and as you tune in with this higher selfishness it's like it's not about being greedy or selfish like giving yourself that time it's not like oh I should be working or I should be doing no that's aligning yourself with what you are that's coming into your body and listening deeply I need time to tune in to see how she wants to move today and maybe you'll get on your mat and you'll roll around for you know half an hour or maybe you'll do a really strong ashtanga practice each day is different because the body is always changing and always different maybe one day you're in your moon cycle and you're cramping and you're having a lot of pain get on your you know lay down on the floor and and find ways that your body can stretch and unwind and move somatically put on some soft gentle dance music that can unwind that's where belly dance and all these female dance forms came from by using those practices to align with how the body moves. I mean, even when we see the tantric temples, they're doing, the women, they're doing yoga. You don't see them all, you know, standing really straight. Their hips are all, you know, they're shapely, they're, they're round, you know, they're voluptuous, they're moving. They're, you know, you look at the, the statues in all throughout India, they're, the feminine statues are all moving. That's the Shakti principle. That's what's reawakening again, is for us to realign with what does it mean to be in balance with both my masculine and my feminine. Because if you do one of too much of something, you're going to become imbalanced. It's just the natural law of things. And so, you know, bringing that balance is really comes about like you, with the, you know, your diet, what you're eating, with your your exercise program that you have for yourself, that's, that's a loving exercise program, not something that you're punishing yourself or whipping yourself to do, to get in shape, to look a certain way, but to tune into your body, what's good for, for me today in this moment. And it can change and give yourself permission to sit sometimes in the unknown, because that's also part of this unfolding, is that we've always had a plan, you know, and if we look at nature, she doesn't grow trees in straight lines. Everything's in spirals and circles and everything is all intertwined and interconnected. So we have to be more like that too, that letting go of the structure sometimes so that we can align ourselves with our real structure and find how the energy that just wants to move inside of us, how does she want to move? And can I be willing enough to come to that unknown place where I don't know what's going to happen and just trust and allow this energy to move. 
and know that I'll be carried in it. So that's kind of, you know, been my journey, huge part of my journey. And I just, I love doing this work with women, you know, especially because I love watching women awaken and, you know, peel back the layers or take off the masculine mask and come back into their femininity. And I just sometimes think, oh my God, no wonder men love us so much. They're just, you know, <laughs> and it makes me very sad. You know, some of the processes that I do when I hear what's going on in women's heads about what they think of themselves, I, it's so painful. It's so painful. There's yeah, it's a lot like a of flower not loving itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you just, it's we are the divine. You know, we are the sacred feminine. And so that self love, no matter what you are, what you do, how much money you have, where you're at, it's a vigilant practice to every day come back to a process of self-love mm. and it requires discipline just the same as the discipline to go to the gym and lift that many weights mm -hmm. see if you can turn the discipline into the self-love mm -hmm. the practices that cultivate self-love yes we're taking a quick 60 second break so I can share with you this incredible opportunity to work together, Path to Freedom. Path to Freedom is essentially business mentorship and coaching from me, Melissa Ambrosini, Nick Broadhurst, and many other wellness leaders teaching you how to create a thriving doTERRA essential oil business. If you're not familiar with doTERRA, doTERRA are certified therapeutic grade oils, the best in the business that cultivate their oils in the exact same practices that the indigenous and ancient traditions have been using for thousands of years. So they only grow and cultivate these herbs and spices where they are native to, to make sure that they are the healthiest for our body. And they also support local farmers. In fact, paying them four times more anyone else pays to make sure that they are keeping up these ancient healing practices that have lasted for thousands of years that are now industrialization is, is replacing, but they really want to honor that so they can keep their jobs, we can keep the land, the soil stable, we can protect Mother Earth while also creating thriving businesses for ourselves, supporting the planet, supporting our friends and family. We can use essential oils for our healing journeys and also create abundance, being our own entrepreneurs, infusing wellness and leading your own business, whether you're a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you work in a corporate job and you're looking to switch into something a little bit more holistic. Maybe this episode is inspiring you. Path to Freedom is the place for you. I look forward to inviting you on our incredible mentorship team. Again, there is no extra cost with enrollment. All you do is you buy your essential oil kit. It's going to rock your socks off. And you're part of our tribe for life. As long as you keep everything going, you will have a thriving doTERRA business. So head over to IamSaharaRose.com forward slash freedom to learn more about it. Again, IamSaharaRose.com forward slash freedom. And now let's get back to Malaika. Another thing that what I loved about your teaching is you really show the strength of the feminine too. And I think a lot of teachers, when they go into the masculine feminine, it's almost like masculine is strong and feminine is weak and submissive, but you are like, a full-on powerhouse with like Durga energy and you know and you work a lot with like I think you were a doula before but mm -hmm. like working with the birth canal and that is like the strongest energy out there so can you talk more about how like really when you get into the core of the feminine it's also the strongest energy yes. of earth yes and this is what 
I think, you know, from my studies and understanding of it, of why things turned around, you know, sort of about 5,000 years ago from us worshipping the womb and, you know, you look at the Venus of Wildendorf, she's like, she's a goddess from European traditions, mm. you know, all voluptuous and big round breasts. And, you know, here too, Ibu Pratiwi is the big round breast and the big round womb, all these ancient practices where they worshipped the feminine. And in it, knowing that her, this self-nurturing and this power that's there inside of every woman. And it doesn't need to be a power that is overpowering, you know, in a yang sense. It can just be when you're really in tune with your passion what you're passionate about. When you hear a woman, you know, singing and she's just allowing Shakti to rip through her body and she's singing from that place, she can make the whole audience cry. That's powerful. You know, that's super powerful. So it's when women are not seeking anything outside of themselves to be whole, but actually seeking the beloved inside of yourself and marrying that beloved inside of yourself that that energy of like, wow, that person's just so switched on or so powerful, you know? And yeah, women giving birth. I mean, if we think of it, every, I mean, not so much these days with so many women choosing to have cesareans, which is another factor that makes me very sad because women giving birth is the greatest initiation that you can ever go through. And I have been privileged. I, w I wasn't actually trained as a doula. I think it was just past life memory. And back in the day in Australia when, you know, living in different communities and, you know, women going into labor and they'd like, call Malaika, I need Malaika. Yeah. And I'm just like, I would so want and, you there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and somehow I just knew what to do. And a lot of times it was that, you know, that fierce yeah. feminine that needed to like come. You know, I remember one friend who was sort of laying on the ground with her legs crossed and, you know, she'd sort of been there in the early parts of her labor and then coming back later on and she was still laying there early in the morning, you know, laying on the ground and she was like, oh, does it get any worse than this? And I was like, you're darn right it does. You call that good, strong, hard pain on. That's the only thing that's going to get this baby out, you yeah. know? And and then uh, we got her up and I got her up and, and took her outside and, and it was amazing, actually. We, we went for a walk outside and again, nature. As soon as she got in tune with nature, it was like all the cells of her body came alive. She started to breathe and talk about power. This woman was part Maori and like Lucky I was an African dancer and had strong legs because she ended up sort of hanging off of me mm. outside, you know, and the sun was rising and, and there, was a, it was, there was a lot of cows around in the paddock in that area where we were and in Australia. And the cows came in and they, the female cow started licking her body. So the animals could smell the birthing process and that's what like brought her birth on. And mm. I was like, okay, we better get inside. This baby's like right here is coming now, mm. you know, and sure not. And just watching a woman birth is just like, you know, I bow to every single woman, including my mother for the effort and the strength and the power and the beauty. And, you know, if everything is normal with your baby, please, my greatest advice would be have a natural birth. It's the greatest experience that a woman can ever experience in this lifetime. And the love that you feel when you hold your newborn baby and you haven't not pumped full of drugs so you don't, you're not there when you, you know, your baby arrives mm -hmm. is, uh, it's, it's, we're hardwired for this kind of 
divine love mm. that you feel for another human being when you birth a human being out of your body. Yes. And every time a baby's born, I, you know, you, you go through this whole process with the woman and I'm like in the process with them. But then, you know, when the baby is coming out, sometimes, you know, you forget, oh yeah, we're doing all this because there's a baby coming, you know, right. and then when the baby would come out, I'd always just like burst out crying, like, oh my God, it's a baby. I mean, when you see a little human be head sticking out of a yoni, it's just like, deep reverence for yes. the female form and the female body and, and what we are. And I think women need to really honor that again. We need to heal from all the wounding that's come around from guilt and shame around sexuality, guilt and shame around our blood, our blood rights, you know, and that's kind of what I do in my work with bringing the ceremonies, you know, because I feel like ceremony is a way that you bring women together and just by creating the container of ceremony, it allows some other ancient memories that we each carry in our bodies and our DNA from, you know, you have your Indian blood full of ritual and ceremony. And so when you come into that space, it's like something else gets woken up and, and the power returns to woman. Mm -hmm. And it's not about being, you know, all oh, soft and submissive. Sometimes she's super strong, you know, like those women, the Chipko women in southern India, there was a forest that was going to be chopped down mm -hmm. and the people were still very dependent for herbs and plants and their livelihood off of this forest. And it was the women in their beautiful saris, you know, so gorgeous, you know, they weren't looking like, you know, with their shaved heads and, you know, they were beautiful in their saris and their long hair hugging the trees and mm -hmm. they just like stood there as a force and what could the the bulldozers and the chainsaws do but bow to them and in the end they saved their forest mm -hmm. and that's the power of the feminine and women like when you look at how we are biologically and how you know over eons and eons of time of evolution how we've evolved women would be you know that's why we can multitask and men find it more difficult because you know, women, we would have been like hunter gathering many different fruits, you know, and chit chatting with all of our sisters and all the women together. So I always say after, you know, living in Africa for so long, it was like women need other women, children need other children and men need other men. And so creating these, you know, dynamic communities versus creating nuclear families, which we see are failing us terribly. I mean, one says it all nuclear. It's like should never happen. It's like yeah. completely toxic and, and ready to explode and volatile. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, women lose their power in, a, in, a, in that kind of situation a lot of the times because it's too overwhelming to try and deal with work. You know, you're supposed to be a breadwinner now. You're supposed to then be a good mother and you're supposed to then be a good partner. And then you're supposed to be all juicy and sexy at the end of the night but you got 50 million emails and work and mm -hmm. stuff to do and and that's supposed to be powerful it's not anymore yep. so it's like returning our true sense of power i really believe comes from us coming together again this is like my greatest intention and my dream right now is to build a temple here in bali called the gaia seed temple where people can come to heal but then to also like live for short periods of time to learn the old ways, you know, the old ways to be the new ways and not old in the sense of like, you know, okay, now we have to, you know, greet the directions in the same way that the Lakota Indians did and we have to do. No, but we take the essence of what they were doing, what all these indigenous people who learned how to live in more harmony on the earth and all our technology that we have and our aspects of the 
divine sacred feminine and all the aspects of the divine sacred masculine and we create a new way to move forward for our children our grandchildren and our, and our grandchildren's children so that when we think of like what world are we leaving behind for them we can leave something that is allows space for each human being to blossom like that flower that they are you know and it's not really much about what they look like <laughs> which too much emphasis has been placed in the West about that. Yeah. And, you know, the, I think one of the greatest years of my life was living in Africa with no mirror, mm. you know, for a whole year. It was like insane how much embodiment, just being in the body and being really happy. And it was really funny because yeah. I'd actually just, I'd shaved my hair before I left Australia and then it was growing in while I was in Africa. And uh, when I see photos back at that time and I'm like, oh my God, I wish my partner had told me to wear a scarf or a hat or, you know, I had this like... <laughs> Yeah. Ronald McDonald hair growing out with my curls, you know, going out like this. and and But I was happy as Larrakee, right. you know, whereas maybe if I had been watching my hair grow back, it would yes. have been, you know what I mean? And I, because it was all about how I felt. It was all about what's the feeling, the felt sense inside the body. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my work is about trying to get people to come back to the felt sense, come back to what's real in this moment, come back mm -hmm. to what's real inside your body. And let's dance, you know, let's yes. dance in wild celebration and just bringing people together to dance. That's also a huge yeah. part of our human evolution. You know, every single tribe, tradition, human being on this planet has had dance at its root. So, you know, dance is just, it's coming back. It's, it's coming back. There's a huge resurgence of dance coming back. And I'm so happy to be at the forefront of this movement that's sweeping across the globe to bring dance and conscious dance, mm -hmm. you know, because before, because of all of our, yeah, yeah and, be, and choreography, what do you look like again? Exactly. Not what you feel Memorization like. Ballet, in your head. Breaking your toes, bleeding yeah. toes. I mean, how much can you be feeling in your body if you can't feel that totally. you're killing your feet as you're dancing? Sure, it looks absolutely amazing. Amazing, mm -hmm. you know, to witness what the human body is capable of. So we know that now, and yeah. now we can bring the balance back and say, and now what do we feel? Mm -hmm. What are we feeling? Mm -hmm. And the more we do that, and the more we teach our children to be in tune with what are you feeling right now, the less gun shootings we're going to have, the less, you know, mental health issues we're going to have, the less suicide we're going to have, the less need for antidepressants and things that people are just getting on. And one thing to remember too with the body and, you know, another thing that I teach is, and just being a human being is full of trauma. You know, it's like right from the moment you're born into the world. You know, if you're born in a hospital, you're smacked, your umbilical cord's cut. If you're a man, your foreskin's cut off. I mean, how painful and traumatic is that mm -hmm. as your entry into this? Yeah, all these vaccines. Vaccines, needles yeah. being poked into this little tiny, innocent, newborn baby. It's not a very good blueprint for, wow, oh, I'm looking forward to life. You know, it's like, <laughs> life is painful, you yeah. know? And, and then we, from those beliefs, you know, we start creating our reality. So bringing back you know, women to be empowered and embodied in their bodies is, is, is a huge aspect of creating a healthier society because when women birth naturally again and gently, you know, where, where it's possible, then it's like they're bringing babies into that environment. It's not an illness. Giving birth is not a sickness. It doesn't need to be in a hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, women have birth for thousands of years at yeah. home. You know, if, if as long as everything, you know, we have the technology right at hand to check if something's not 
right? Of course, we need intervention. And that's where we use it. And we don't, you know, create separation of like, oh, this is good and that's bad. But we need to reclaim all the things that are natural again and that women can reclaim their power over, you know. And birthing is one, you know, how you choose to birth and then bringing these gentle babies into the world, you know, is going to what is teaching them something more beautiful about what to look forward to in life, Mm -hmm. you know, and not putting the imprints into the body. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the trauma, you know, we have to remember that trauma is held in the tissues. It's not in the event. So a lot of times why psychotherapy doesn't really work is because you're dealing on the same plane. You're dealing only with the mind. And actually it's inside the body and in the tissues that is where the trauma is held. And Mm -hmm. so you're actually re-traumatizing every time you're just talking about it. And if you get and you start dancing it and dancing it out and moving it in somatic movement and finding the ways that the body might just need to mm-hmm. do a repetitive movement over and over and over again. It's releasing something. Mm-hmm. And because we don't allow that and, you know, our dance choreography and all these sort of things that, you know, have to look a certain way, again, that's a dissociation from mm-hmm. the intelligence of the body. You know, so that's why like really good music and allowing the body to just do what it needs to do mm-hmm. unwinds from a different place inside the body. Yes. Yeah. And can you tell us like certain parts of your body, if you're experiencing pain there, what that could mean on a somatic level? Yeah, well, you know, the body is like a map and I'm not uh, an expert in this area, but just, you know, from living in a body for this long, yeah. <laughs> You know, things like, uh, very interesting with myself, uh, when I was seven years old, I broke my big toe on my right foot. So, you know, it's all to do with the, the masculine, stepping forward. Mm-hmm. I was in a moment at seven years old being extremely stubborn when it happened. So it was like this, you know, this aspect of will and the big toe is like your grounding mm-hmm. force. Mm-hmm. And here in Bali, there's these bone healers that after, yeah. you know, it was so like, painful. Yeah. No, yeah. but it, actually he wasn't so painful, but he okay. put it back into alignment. Oh, wow. And the chi I energy that. that was moving down. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was just insane, you know. And it's and I feel like I'm stepping forward in my life. Mm-hmm. So suddenly now, you know, the ankle, the foot, the toe, it's all into an alignment. So, you know, feet are very much about, you know, stepping forward. The right side of the body is very much about your relationship with your masculine and your relationship with, with the masculine. So, mm-hmm. you know fathers, brothers, uncles, things like that. So if you're constantly injuring the right side of your body, what's going on with your masculine? What are you trying to, uh, what's your body trying to bring awareness to? Or what is, what are your thoughts? What's going on in your thoughts Mm -hmm. that you're manifesting this kind of injury on that side of the body. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's the left side of the body, it's your relationship with the feminine, your relationship with your mother, your relationship to your grandmother, your relationship to your sisters, your relationship to yourself if you're in a woman's body. You know, all of these kinds of things. So if you're constantly, continually having all your injuries and they're always on the left side of the the body, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, well, what's my wounded feminine? Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on there? Look at your psyche, look at your thoughts, you know, to come back to what am I thinking? Because what am I thinking? My thoughts, my feelings, my reality, you know, my results. That's really how 
the law of attraction is, is working through us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we look at what's going on with digestion, you know, many people having such severe problems with digestion these days. But if our parasympathetic nervous system is switched on and we're in fight or flight mode, it's again a natural thing that our bodies, you know, so incredibly intelligent are designed to run away from that saber-toothed tiger that's coming chasing after you. So you're not going to be squatting on the ground doing a big dump when, mm -hmm. you know, the tiger is coming to get you. Exactly. So it shuts down and off you run yep. or you freeze and hide. Mm -hmm. So we've created a situation where the saber-toothed tigers don't exist anymore, but plenty of things that are coming at us 24-7 and the digestion is, you know, we're, yep. we're holding because we haven't given time to actually soften and relax yes. and let the nervous system calm down so that we can poop naturally. Yeah, and that's, so many people are chronically constipated. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so this is another way when we roll around in the morning and we spend time to tune into the body because also the organs. So I'm a, a, a Lomi Lomi practitioner. I studied, my teachers were all from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, because I loved the ancientness of that practice. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to learn a body work that incorporated mind, body and spirit, you mm -hmm. know, because I feel that we can't truly heal until we incorporate all three. We can't just work on the physical. We can't just work on the spiritual. We can't just work on the mental. We need all three, mind, body body and spirit. Mm -hmm. And so with the Hawaiians, they call this, your belly and your organs, the na'au. And this is actually the part of the body that they listen to the most. Because your na'au is the intelligence, even beyond the heart. You know, the heart, if you're having a love, love strings being pulled, can also take you in a direction. The monkey, the mind will, the monkey mind will always pull you in, you know, all over the shop and, mm -hmm. you know, not to be trusted. But the body and the na'au, the belly, always can be trusted because mm -hmm. it's designed to thrive. Our bodies are designed to thrive. Mm -hmm. And if we think of ourselves in a thriving and benevolent universe, then a loving and, and, and this earth wants us to survive and thrive, mm -hmm. then when we tune into the part of earth that is us, our organs, then, oh, I need to drink more water. Oh, I need to stop drinking coffee. Oh, I need to eat more fruits and vegetables. The body just naturally tells you what it what it needs. Mm -hmm. You know, even for me, like I'm I'm uh, predominantly vata, and I love my fruits and vegetables and more raw food is is predominantly my diet. But now coming into this colder weather, and when I really listen to my body, my body's saying, okay, I want kitchery and warm food and you know and so I have to let go of the mind saying oh well, I have to have my raw food and my you know which is creating more damp and coolness in the body and so I was chronically getting a lung thing you know mm -hmm. and since I now listening more and having more cooked food and you know even though that's harder for me because my vata wants to have more fruits and things I have to listen mm -hmm. and that in the listening it keeps me balanced yes so, you know, and if we look at, you know, anything that's happening in the back of the body can like chronic things going on in the back of the body can also be, you know, like posture. And when we look mm -hmm. at how someone's holding their posture or we look at old people who are all stooped over and, yes. you know, that's a, a lifetime of thought saying, I am not good enough. Mm. And through that, whatever the thoughts are set, being told to the body the body starts to, the structure starts to take on the form of the thought. If anybody has heard of Masumara Emoto, he's the man who studied water. And he studied water crystals mm -hmm. and found the correlation between 
positive affirmations to the water crystals and the structures that they could form. Mm -hmm. So when you say to the water, I love you, all of a sudden they form these perfect symmetry, each individual water crystal like a snowflake with its own unique signature. When you turned around and said, I hate you to the water, and he took those same water samples and studied the water crystals, they were deformed and there was no symmetry. So we are human beings. We are 75 to 85% water, just like our planet Earth. And so if we are mainly predominantly water, if we're telling ourselves whatever we're telling ourselves, we have like, what, 80,000 thoughts going on in our head constantly, and 90% of those thoughts are negative, then is it any any wonder why people can't manifest or can't, you know, manifest the dream because the subconscious, the attention in the subconscious is going towards these negative yeah. thoughts. And that's what's manifesting in the body. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you have someone who is sick with cancer, so that has manifested as a wake-up call, you know, what are you thinking, what's going on? And then to dig deeper to those core reasons of, you know, where that came from, finding, you know, you have, we have to like, you know, we have to think of ourselves like a, a garden, you know, and we have to go in and pull the weeds out. And the weeds can be things that other people told us when we were little about ourselves that we decided to believe later on in life. And now as an adult, well, your mom and dad aren't there anymore. Your school teacher's not there anymore. Your priest is not there anymore. It's just between you and source and you and your body. And that's the only thing we can ever really have domain over is, you know, our own physical physicality. We can tune in with that. We can work with that. We can heal that. We can love that. And by working with this energy of like catching yourselves when you got negative thoughts going and go, well, what I do, because I'm a somatic person and a physical person, when I have a negative thought, I'll say, okay, how does that, how does that look? And I'll, I'll, I'll do like a dance, you know, (laughs) I'm feeling what that negative thing looks like. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, look at it in the mirror and go, wow, like, okay, fast forward 20 years of that. Do I really want, is that what I want to look like? Is that what I want to manifest? It's like, no, okay. Okay, I'm going to use all of my will, Mm -hmm. third chakra, all of my will to change that thought Mm. because it's not true, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that that continual vigilance of coming back. So when injuries start happening in the body, Mm -hmm. it's like asking your own body, what what does this mean? What is it trying to tell me, Mm. you know? I see so many, so many people, you know, because I'm doing the body work as well. So I see so many people with like extreme yogic injuries that have come from yoga, from wrenching their bodies into structures, basically, Mm -hmm. into shapes. I can't do yoga because my left wrist is like back and forth, like always getting injured, which is the feminine too, because it's so masculine. Yeah, yeah. And when we think of it, I mean, even the history of yoga, it's, you know, a lot of the full-on asana practices came about from a form of gymnastics, you know, and a form of training young male warriors to discipline their minds so that they could be carry out the tasks they needed to carry out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you see a lot of women who are dedicated, especially Ashtanga mm-hmm. yoga, which is, you know, the full-on eighth limb of, of yoga practice, you know, following this practice, they 
their bodies become masculinized. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of them even lose their periods, you know, and that's sort of like changing the structure Mm -hmm. of your body by constantly doing a form of movement that is not conducive necessarily to the female form. Exactly. And so now more and more, there's a lot of uh, yoga practices coming about that are completely dedicated just to the female form. And I'm like, oh, relief. I can come out of my closet and do my yoga practice now because, you know, I can roll around on the floor and show people how I move and I'm pretty healthy in my body. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, people usually say, wow, it's more like a dance. And I'm like, yeah, because that's the way that's the way my body wants to move, you Mm -hmm. know? And yeah, so all these things that we can use Mm -hmm. to keep ourselves in balance. Yeah. I remember when it was your five elements facilitator training and right before we were supposed to teach you had like each of us like come to you for like our our pep talk mm-hmm. which like I thought you because I thought you were gonna like tell us what to do and like all you did was kind of like look in your body and I remember for me you were like your shoulders are so high like just drop down your shoulders drop down your shoulders and I realized like that's always I'm always lifting up my shoulders and holding it because that's like the responsibility mm-hmm. and the feeling like the weight of the world mm-hmm. on your shoulders and then when your shoulders are down it's like you can just like relax yes exactly exactly and so that's where the breath is like, you know, and it's free. Hello, you don't need to pay for it. It's like, you yeah. know, take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And it relaxes the body. So mm-hmm. anytime when there's like that overwhelm, you know, and the body is like starting to go into the parasympathetic nervous system and everything's starting to cramp up and tighten up and contraction, we come back to the breath again. And that's the real true practice of yoga, you know, breath and movement, marrying hatha, hatha yoga, you know, the breath and movement, the sun and moon, finding that balance of bringing the breath to the movement. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of yoga classes I go to these days and I've gone to and like the teachers, you know, one, they're they're saying, you know, okay, inhale and exhale and inhale and exhale. I'm like, if you were really doing it, to how fast you're saying inhale and exhale, we'd all be like hyperventilating right now. This is way too fast for, Mm -hmm. you know, the inhale, the exhale. So, but when you follow your own breath and everyone's breath cycles are different, it's like, wow, you know, your practice might look completely different. And I still work up a very good sweat, you know, with, I like, you know, the physicality of, of my practice, but I'm not killing myself or causing injury. I'm deeply listening. It's, it's more about, okay, where do I need to listen today? And how does my body want to express herself today? Mm-hmm. And what's there? Sometimes I'll, you know, sit on my mat and I'm feeling great and I'll start, sometimes it'll just be like, I need to just play the harmonium and sing and I'll sing for you know 20 minutes and then I'm sobbing and my body's like oh I needed that to crack my heart open because there was something there I don't even need to know what it is anymore I just like Mm -hmm. the body just needs to leave we are conduits of energy and there's so much energy on this planet you know so and there's so much going on on this planet you know it's like there's so much going on on this planet and as women with wombs We are picking up on stuff all the time. We're like antennas. You know, that's why a woman knows when her man is having an affair or not. Because we are connected. We're plugged in on this level energetically. You know, we have energetic connections to everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, children suffering on the streets, children, the child sex trade. These things are in our psyche. We're seeing it. We're hearing it. You know, and we can go numb to it. I've got to go to work and do my thing. But somewhere inside of us, the human part of us, has to feel. And so sometimes it's really, really good to just 
have a good cry and not know, don't attach a story to it of why. Right. It's just the body releasing, releasing that. And you always feel better afterwards. Whereas if you stuff it inside, that's when it turns into dis-ease because it didn't get released from the body, you know? Mm. So even things like that, you know, crying, crying in the workplace, you know, like mm -hmm. people, you know, the whole touch thing. It's like, you know, we're human beings. We need hugs. We need touch. We need connection. We need, you know, to be come back to the human. We're not robots. Yes. You know, and all this sort of giving away our power to, oh, soon, you know, uh, in, uh, artificial intelligence is going to supersede the human being. No, it's not. Not if we're going to, if we're going to allow it, it will. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones creating it if we will. But we are the super intelligence. Our body is the super intelligence. Nothing on the planet yet can create as divine a human being as you or me, you know? That's the divine intelligence and it mm -hmm. flows through us and we're part of it. And nor should we strive for having this artificial intelligence to take over our world or ourselves or give our power away to that. It's like, no, come back to the intelligence of your own body. Mm -hmm. Come back to your own natural intelligence, you know, that each one of us are living inside a body and we can tune into that at any time. As long as we're breathing, <sighs> We're, we're, we're here. We're still here. The only difference, I say that every time I start a dance, you know, the only difference between the living and the dead is the dead aren't breathing. We're still breathing. So while we have this number of breaths in us, you know, and everybody's got a number, mm -hmm. you know, we don't know when that due date is up, but we all one guarantee you're born, you're, you're also going to die. And so do we spend most of our life avoiding the inevitable by not trying to create structures around ourselves so we're not living or do we just surrender to life and start living start living from that place of shakti of that place of wow i don't really know what's coming next and it's kind of exciting and scary and and at the same time i'm trusting that there's some divine greater plan for human race and we haven't worked it all out you know mm -hmm. and having the big house and the 2.2 kids and the white dog and the Ferrari in the driveway is mm. not it. It's yeah. not, it's not bringing happiness. You know, Absolutely. once you get there, you realize, well, that what's now, what was all that about, you know? And, and, you know, sure we can use all these things to create more comfort and love and being in this luxury, you know, yeah. you know, to create more comfort and luxury, but then let's use that. Let's use our human intelligence and this creative to create a better world for our children. Yes. Yeah, and a better world for ourselves and a better world for our bodies. You know, our bodies need very basic needs, clean air, clean water, clean food, you know. So God is actually really simple. You know, we've made it such a complex thing and, you know, it's like it's actually not so complex. Love is actually really, really simple. Totally. And it's the fear, you know, we've been driven in, in these fear paradigms that have pushed us, pushed us and driven us that are driving us mad, you know, and driving us to the brink of extinction and to the brink of killing this beautiful planet. And mm -hmm. so, you know, in order for us to actually have a future on this planet, we need to wake up and we need to put ourselves back into the wheel of life. We are not it, you know, we are part of it. And I don't want to live on a planet that doesn't have any whales. I don't want to live on a planet anymore that doesn't have any tigers or doesn't have any, any rhinoceroses or doesn't have any elephants or doesn't have any fish in the sea or doesn't have any birds in the sky. They're my 
relations just the same as you are. You know, I don't want to also live on my own in my castle somewhere where I'm like, there, I've made it. I want to live in community, human community. And I feel like that's the direction where we get together and we dance and we cry and we laugh and we're human again and we mm -hmm. come back to our realness again. So that's my, my big dream is to create that. Yes. Yes. Speaking of which, if anyone wants to work with Malaika on mm -hmm. making this dream happen, reach out to her on her website in myelements.com yes. and she is going to create this epic center in Bali. So if anyone wants to join her or help her bring a retreat anywhere in the world, she is open to it. Just tell her where to come and she will come with her instruments and everything. Hmm. How amazing was that to be able to just hear Malaika's wisdom. She has so many stories. She is a true grandmother, not just for her grandchildren, but for all of us, for the planet. She really carries forth that divine feminine Shakti energy, but at the same time is so empowered and strong and capable. And she is such an example of how you can have both. So thank you, Malaika for coming on the podcast. If you want to go on any of her retreats, teacher trainings, head over to inmyelements.com. She is a wonder woman. Like there's no other word to say it. And if you would like to be mentored by me now and to join our Path to Freedom team and to really create a life of abundance for yourself where you can travel the world and you can really live out what it is to be your highest self, which is going to be so different for each and every one of you. But what is unanimous with all of us is that to become our highest self, that takes space and that takes creating the opportunity for the wisdom to come through. Because when you are working and you're trading hours for dollars and you're hustling, it's not when the highest self is able to speak its whispers. So come join me on the path to freedom. I am sahararose.com slash freedom to learn more about it. The next episode will be part two of Feminine Shakti Shamanism with Malaika. So be sure to subscribe if it's your first time listening so you can get notified. And I look forward to continuing to share the magic with you. Namaste. Thank you.